Chapter 10. Bast Goes Green. Sadie, stop it. Yeah, I'm getting to that part. Sorry. She keeps trying to distract me by setting fire to my... Never mind. Where was I? We barreled off the Williamsburg Bridge into Manhattan and headed north on Clinton Street. They're still following, Sadie warned. Sure enough, the carriers were only a block behind us, weaving around cars and trampling over sidewalk displays of tourist junk. We'll buy some time, Bass growled deep in her throat, a sound so low and powerful it made my teeth buzz. She yanked the wheel and swerved right onto East Houston. I looked back. Just as the carriers turned the corner, a horde of cats materialized all around them. Some jumped from windows, some ran from the sidewalk and alleys, some crawled from the storm drains. All of them converged on the carriers in a wave of fur and claws, climbing up their copper legs, scratching their backs, clinging to their faces, and weighing down the sedan box. The carrier stumbled, dropped the box. They began blindly swatting at the cats. Two cars swerved to avoid the animals and collided, blocking the entire street, and the carriers went down under the mass of angry felines. We turned onto FDR Drive, and the scene disappeared from view. Nice, I admitted. It won't hold them long, Bass said. Now, Central Park. Bass ditched the Lexus at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. We'll run from here, she said. It's just behind the museum. When she said run, she meant it. Sadie and I had to sprint to keep up, and Bass wasn't even breaking a sweat. She didn't stop for little things like hot dog stands or parked cars. Anything under ten feet tall, she leaped over with ease, leaving us to scramble around the obstacles as best we could. We ran into the park on East Drive. As soon as we turned north, the obelisk loomed above us. A little over 70 feet tall, it looked like an exact copy of the needle in London. It was tucked away on a grassy hill, so it actually felt isolated, which is hard to achieve in the center of New York. There was no one around except for a couple joggers farther down the path. I could hear the traffic behind us on Fifth Avenue, but even that seemed far away. We stopped at the obelisk's base. Bass sniffed the air as if smelling for trouble. Once I was standing still, I realized just how cold I was. The sun was directly overhead, but the wind ripped right through my borrowed linen clothes. I wish I'd grab something warmer, I muttered. A wool coat would be nice. No, it wouldn't, Bass said, scanning the horizon. You're dressed for magic. Sadie shivered. We have to freeze to be magical? Magicians avoid animal products, Bass said absently. Fur, leather, wool, any of that. The residual life aura can interfere with spells. My boots seem all right, Sadie noted. Leather, Bass said with distaste. You may have a higher tolerance, so a bit of leather won't bother your magic. I don't know. Well, linen clothing is always best, or cotton, plant material. At any rate, Sadie, I think we're clear for the moment. There's a window of auspicious time starting right now at 11.30, but it won't last long. Get started. Sadie blinked. Me? Why me? You're the goddess. I'm not good at portals, 
Beth said. Cats are protectors. Just control your emotions. Panic or fear will kill a spell. We have to get out of here before Set summons the other gods to his cause. I frowned. You mean Set's got, like, other evil gods on speed dial? Bass glanced nervously towards the trees. Evil and good may not be the best way to think of it, Carter. As a magician, you must think about chaos and order. Those are the two forces that control the universe. Set is all about chaos. But what about the other gods Dad released? I persisted. Aren't they good guys? Osiris, Isis, Horus, Nephtys? Where are they? Bast fixed her eyes on me. That's a good question, Carter. A Siamese cat broke through the bushes and ran up to Bast. They looked at each other for a moment. Then the Siamese dashed away. The carriers are close, Bast announced, and something else. Something much stronger, closing in from the east. I think the carrier's master has grown impatient. My heart did a flip. Set is coming? No, Bass said. Perhaps a minion or an ally. My cats are having trouble describing what they're seeing, and I don't want to find out. Sadie, now is the time. Now concentrate on opening a gateway to the Duat. I'll keep off the attackers. Combat magic is my specialty. Like what you did in the mansion? I asked. Bass showed her pointed teeth. No, that was just combat. The woods rustled and the carriers emerged. Their sedan chair's shroud had been shredded by cat claws. The carriers themselves were scratched and dented. One walked with a limp, his leg bent backward at the knee. Another had a car fender wrapped around his neck. The four metal men carefully set down their sedan chair. They looked at us and drew golden metal clubs from their belts. Sadie, get to work, Bast ordered. Carter, you're welcome to help me. The cat goddess unsheathed her knives. Her body began to glow with a green hue. An aura surrounded her, growing larger like a bubble of energy, and lifted her off the ground. The aura took shape until Bass was encased in a holographic projection about four times her normal size. It was an image of the goddess in her ancient form, a 20-foot-tall woman with the head of a cat. Floating in mid-air in the center of the hologram, Bass stepped forward. The giant cat goddess moved with her. It didn't seem possible that a see-through image could have substance, but its foot shook the ground. Bast raised her hand. The glowing green warrior did the same. Unsheathing claws as sharp as rapiers. Bast swiped the sidewalk in front of her and shredded the pavement to concrete ribbons. She turned and smiled at me. The giant cat's head did likewise, bearing horrible fangs that could have bitten me in half. This, Bast said, is combat magic. At first, I was too stunned to do anything but watch as Bass launched her green war machine into the middle of the carriers. She slashed one carrier to pieces with a single swipe, then stepped on another and flattened him into a metal pancake. The other two carriers attacked her holographic legs, but their metal clubs bounced harmlessly off the ghostly light with showers of sparks. Meanwhile, Sadie stood in front of the obelisk with her arms raised, shouting, 
open, you stupid piece of rock. Finally, I drew my sword. My hands were shaking. I didn't want to charge into battle, but I feel like I should help. And if I had to fight, I figured having a 20-foot-tall glowing cat warrior on my side was the way to do it. Sadie, I'm going to help fast. Keep trying. I am. I ran forward just as Bass sliced the other two rapiers of carriers apart like loaves of bread. With, with relief, I thought, well, that's it. Then all four carriers began to reform. The flat one peeled himself up off the pavement. The sliced one's pieces clicked together like magnets, and the carrier stood up, good as new. Carter, help me hack them apart, Bass called. They need to be in smaller pieces. I tried to stay out of Bass's way as she slashed and stomped. Then as soon as she disabled the carrier, I went to work chopping its remains into smaller pieces. They seemed more like Play-Doh than metal, because my blade smashed them up pretty easily. Another few minutes, and I was surrounded by piles of coppery rubble. Bass made a glowing fist and smashed the sedan into kindling. That wasn't so hard. What are we running for? Inside her glowing shell, Bass's face was coated with sweat. It hadn't occurred to me that a goddess could get tired, but her magic avatar must have taken a lot of effort. We're not safe yet, she warned. Sadie, how's it coming? It's not, Sadie complained. Isn't there another way? Before Bast answered, the bushes rustled with a new sound, like rain, except more slithery. A chill ran up my back. What, uh, what is that? No, Bast murmured. It can't be. Not her. Then the bushes exploded. A thousand brown, creepy crawlies poured from the woods in a carpet of grossness, all pinchers and stinging tails. I wanted to yell, Scorpions! But my voice wouldn't work. My legs started trembling. I hate scorpions. They're everywhere in Egypt. Many times I'd found them in my hotel bed or shower. Once I even found one in my sock. Sadie! Based... Bass called urgently. Nothing, Sadie moaned. The scorpions kept coming, thousands upon thousands. Out of the woods, a woman appeared, walking fearlessly through the middle of the arachnids. She wore brown robes with gold jewelry glinting around her arms, her neck and arms. Her long black hair was cut ancient Egyptian style with a strange crown on top. Then I realized it wasn't a crown. She had a live, super-sized scorpion nesting on her head. Millions of the little nasties swirled around her like she was the center of their storm. Circuit, Bass growled. The scorpion goddess, I guessed. Maybe that should have terrified me, but I was already pretty much at my maximum. Can you take her? Bass's expression didn't reassure me. Carter, Sadie, she said, this is going to get ugly. Get to the museum. Find the temple. It may protect you. What temple? I asked. And what about you? Sadie added. I'll be fine. I'll catch up. But when Bass looked at me, I could tell she wasn't sure. She was just buying us time. Go, she ordered.
She turned her giant green cat warrior to face the mass of scorpions. Embarrassing truth? In the face of those scorpions, I didn't even pretend to be brave. I, gra I grabbed Sadie's arm and we ran.